Yeah, um, you're all welcome to church. Um, we've been the pastoral team, um, Richard and Judith, um, has given us a direction that we're going to follow over a period of time, and that's um, slowing down. Yeah, um, we feel as a church that God is calling us to slow down, um, not to become idle and do nothing, but to to um, spend more time with Him. You know, reflect and allow God to build us up. So that's um, the focus. And uh, for that reason, when I was um, preparing, uh, putting together this message, I completely forgot that we were asked to slow down. So Tunji sent me um, a WhatsApp message. Remember, you have to slow down. So what I did was I now had to start cutting off some part of the message <laughs> in order to to streamline it and in quote slow it down uh, so that after the message you will go home and um, in the next week in the next month in six months time in a year time you will still remember what we talked about today all right so um will be the focus of the message of today today's preach is following and making i don't know if uh yeah following and making that's a nice looking dove there yeah following and um making i came up with this uh well, I say a topic or a focus when I was reading uh, Mark chapter 1 from verse 16 to 17 and it's a word or phrase or part of a sentence that Jesus Christ made. Um, Mark chapter 1 from verse 16 to 17. Could you put that on the slide for us please? Mark chapter 1 from verse 16 to 17. Passing along the Sea of Galilee he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, the Christian life and the Christian experience is a journey it's like our journey. Um, it's not a journey from point A to point B, but it's a different kind of journey that Jesus is calling us to, to do. He said, follow me and I will make you. There's two parts to that statement. I'm trying to slow down. So There's two parts to that statement that Jesus made. The first part is the part is following. Follow me. And the other one is I will make you. You see, there is responsibility. You can see that 
there are two people that have responsibility as far as those statements are concerned. The person that does the following and then the person that does the making. All right. The next slide, please. Um, I just put out a point to, to bring our mind together. Now, God wants to take us on a journey that will cause us to grow spiritually and have our character refined and polished so that we can become more like Christ. In this statement that Jesus made that follow me and I will make you, Jesus was like laying down the principle of discipleship. The principle, the, 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 the main, uh, will I say, the, the focal point of discipleship. That the discipleship or the training that God gives us has to do with we following and then him making. Now, it means that it's our responsibility to do what? To do the following, to follow. And then it's not our responsibility to do the making. It's God's responsibility or Jesus' responsibility to do what? To make us into what he wants us to be. The two must work together. These two concepts must work together for the goal of discipleship to be accomplished. The following and the making must go together. So it means if God is out to make you, if God is out to bring about transformation in your life, if God is out to to make you into the person he wants you to be, he can't do that. He cannot. Except the other part of it is accomplished or is done, which is the part of what? Following. Let me tell you guys a story. Just a quick story. That was in 1995 when I um, got into uni back in Nigeria. So the first day, the, first, the very first lecture that, well, that I had was um, Economics 101. We used to call it ECHO 101. Um, the lecturer stepped in, you know, we welcomed him, he welcomed us, you know, chatted, what was your name, you know, said a lot of things. And he now went to the board and wrote, we, use, we don't use projector then, <laughs> we, we didn't have projectors, we used to write on the board. So he went to the board and wrote something. You know, if it were here probably, um, he might write such thing and not get away with it because of the way people think or do things here. But back then in Nigeria, he could write such a thing on the board and, and everybody would be excited. Um, let's see the next slide and you see what he wrote. The first law of economics. He wrote, for to everyone who has will more be given 
and he will have what? Abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. He said that is the first law of economics. It was quite funny, you know, to him who has, you know, more will be given. And to him who, but to him who has not, what will happen to the person? Even that which he has will be taken away from the person. And do you know who made that statement? Who? Hmm, that's, that's like a mean statement. You know, to him who has, more will be given. And to the person who has not, even that which he has will be what? Taken away. Um, why did Jesus make this statement? This statement didn't come out of the blues. This statement was a conclusion to a story or a parable that Jesus told. He was concluding the parable, concluding the story, and in conclusion, he now made this statement. The question is, what's the story? Okay, we're gonna look at the story. And the next slide, please. But before we do that, um, before we look at the story, I will need someone to help me do something right now. Who would like to upon? I think Wealth could do that very well for me. <laughs> okay. Now this is, um, what's this? Beans. Beans, beans seed. Okay. Um, this is beans seed. I want you, I will just randomly pick five people that is gonna give one seed each. Uh, um, yeah, you, Richard. Give one to Pat. Give one to Esther. That's three. Who else? Um, yeah, you're hiding your face. <laughs> Godwin, give one to him. That's how many now? Four. Who else will I? Okay. Give one to her. Thank you. That's Shona. Okay. Your task is not yet complete, but you could just sit behind there. Let's read the story. Um, I like making my uh, preach interactive. So, Ross, can you please help us read? That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, about him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd um, stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, um, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and when they had no root, they withered away. Next slide, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns 
grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on uh, on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, To you it, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Yeah, thank you. Now, we are not going to, we are not, I'm not trying to, to do a preach from this story. That's not the focus of today's message because there's a lot of preach from there. But I'll just explain the story. Now, the parable, when after Jesus, you know, gave the parable, um, his disciples came to him and he also made an explanation. If you check other um, below, other verses below, he made a statement that the seed is the word of God. That seed is the word of God. Okay, um, wealth, two more tasks, just come forward. You, you know those you gave the seed? Do you know them? Sure? Okay. Now I want you to give a seed each to everyone seated here. Um, wait, wait. You, you need to listen to wait until I finish the instruction. So listen again. I want you to give a seed each to everyone seated here except those that don't have the seed. Have a seed. Okay, it's done. Yeah, and finally, now I want you to give a seed each to everybody seated here, except those that don't have a seed. That's what the Bible meant by those who have. To him who has more will be given. But to him who has not, even that which he has will be what? Taken away from him. Okay. Now, I decided to cut off other parts of this message and narrow this message down to the most important thing or the most important issue when it comes to discipleship. Now, God trains his children. God disciples us. God makes us into what he wants us to be. He works on our character. He works on our behavior as we spend time with him. He does it in several ways. But there is a certain thing that must be there for the discipleship to work. We could chat, and in our chatting, God is discipling us. We could do lunch in our eating. Discipleship is happening. God is training and working on us. 
and we could play games as a church in, in the midst of the playing of the game God is with us, he's working on us but the seed the word of God must be present in every um, will I say avenue through which God disciples his children um, I don't know we able to start out the video okay all right. So I had two videos that I wanted us to play, but sorry, it wasn't sorted out. But let me explain what happened in the video. Um, I want to ask, horse, the horse, is it a wild animal or a domestic animal? Both. Huh? Both. Anyone with contrary view? Okay. The horse, does it start off as a wild animal or does it start off as a domestic animal? Wild. wild. Now, what makes a horse become, you know, obedient, useful? You could ride it, turn it any direction you want to turn, make it do what you want it to do. What happens to a horse that brings a horse from the point of being a wild animal to the point of being a domestic animal? What happens to that horse? What happened? What did you think happened? A training process. Um, the best word I, use, I can use to describe it is called domestication. Okay? I want someone to pick up his or her phone and Google the meaning of domestication for us. It's not the usual message the way we do the preaching, so if you see it, you could read for us. Just type in meaning of domestication, it will come up at the first. Yeah. Okay. Is there any other mean any other thing written below? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, so repeat that again. The the last one, the last statement. The process of making someone fond of and good at what? Home life. So domestication is not just for animals. It's also for humans. You know, I've been married to Anna for 12 years and she's been working hard to domesticate me. <laughs> and I think Shiba have been domesticating you as well. <laughs> and uh, Ross have also been undergoing domestication from Irene. <laughs> you know? So God is in the process, uh, in the business of domesticating people. That is why Jesus said, follow me and I will do what? And I will make you. That's the whole essence of the Christian journey. 
that we follow the Lord and he does the making. And in the process of the making, the most, will I say the most important, use the word ingredient or the most important I'm trying to use, use a very a word that would describe the most the core or the most important issue when it comes to domesticating someone is the seed, the word of God. The word of God or the seed, whatever you call it, is the main instrument with which the Lord, with which God works on his people. The word of God is the main instrument with which he builds our character, with which he transforms us on a daily basis. Without the intake of the word of God, there, you, there will be no change in our life from the time we gave our life to Christ and as the years progresses, there wouldn't be any change. Show me a child of God who constantly takes in the word of God and allow the word of God to you know, work on he, in him or her, I will show you a child of God whose character is being refined on a daily basis. That's the Christian journey we are on. God is not just moving us from point A to point B, but he is working on our character, developing our character, transforming us on a daily basis. And the aim is so that we, you, I, can become more like Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the Christian journey is like what happens when a child is born. The child begins to grow and begins to grow. Um, let's see slide seven. There's a statement Paul made so that that will help me to explain it more. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1, he said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul was describing his spiritual journey, his journey to spiritual maturity, and he used the analogy or whatever of a child development to explain it. That when he was a child, he spoke like a child, he acted like a child, he thought like a child, but when he grew up, as he was growing up in the Lord, he put behind him, you know, childish ways. So the Christian journey is like growth. The Lord, the aim, or God's aim in taking us on this journey is to enable us to, enable us to grow. To grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. You know, to work on our character and make us to not be a wild horse, but a useful, obedient, you know, horse. To domesticate us, you know, and transform our character. And as I said earlier, the major instrument with which, or the major 
thing which which the Lord brings about this transformation in our in our life is his word. And that's why Jesus said to him who has to that child of God who listens to the word of God, listens to preach, to that child of God who reads the Bible, to that Christian who studies the Bible, to that Christian who researches the word of God, to that Christian who takes in the word of God. The Bible said to that person more will be given. But to that Christian who does not take in the word of God who does not read the Bible who does not spend time in the word Jesus said that even that which that person has what will happen it will be taken away from the person so the the call I believe the Holy Spirit is making to us this morning as his beloved people is to do what to prioritize, to make it, make it as a, a matter of priority, to make his word a priority in our life, to spend time to read the Bible, to spend time to study the Bible, to spend time to listen to the word of God, that as we do that, he'll be able to transform us, he'll be able to cause us to grow from spiritual infancy to a more matured Christian. Now, as the word, do you wonder why at times when there's a little rumor in the church, a lot of people run away and just leave the church? Do you wonder why it happens like that? I've um, checked and checked and checked and, and I find out that if a church is made up of Christians that are grounded in God and grounded in his word. They will, they will be resilient enough to withstand shakings in the church. The Bible says, there's a place in the Bible, I, can't, I don't know where it is now, I can't quote the exact place. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. God knows that there will be faults. Offense will happen. But God said we should do what? Make allowance. It takes someone that God has worked on, is causing to grow, is nurturing his, he, the person, transforming the person's character to be able to make allowance. All right, that's just a side note. Uh, let's go to the next slide, please. Um, God's word is essential for us to grow spiritually and become more like Christ in our character. Why? First of all, the reason why God's word, as I have it there, is that in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 verse 23, um, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Uh, sorry, First Peter one twenty three. Um, I got the wrong the, the wrong scripture. It says, "For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God." It's God's Word that brought the initial transformation that happened to your life that made you a Christian. Without His Word, you wouldn't have been transformed. You wouldn't have known the Lord. 
the change that happened inside of you, that initial change, wouldn't have happened. That's one. The second one says the word of God is our spiritual food. And that was where I read in uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 2 that says, As newborn babies, that as God's children, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. You know, the way children desire the breast milk of their mom. You know, when the child is looking hungry and hungry and you want to breastfeed the child, the child will just, ow, you know. Bible said as God's children, we should do what? Desire the word of God. For as we desire and we take in God's word, what will happen? We will grow. Because God's word is the major instrument with which he disciples his people. Every other Christian activity without the word of God will not result in spiritual growth and maturity. Every other, any other Christian um, um, activity or issues or, or program without the word of God will not result in the change and transformation of the character of his people. Amen. The next one is um, God's word renews our mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are here, one of the reasons why we are here is to renew our mind. When you became born again, what changed inside of you? What the transformation that happened didn't happen in your brain or your mind. It happened in your spirit. Your spirit became transformed. The spirit of God entered inside of you and gave birth to something new. The nature of God entered inside of you. In our our Bible study on Wednesday, just this Wednesday, we were uh, discussing and we touched uh, touched on the issue of um, transformation of life. Then I asked the question and said, okay, if... The devil walks in into the church right now on, in, on a Sunday uh, meeting in the morning, and the devil himself walks in, and you know he's meant to be the worship leader of the day, and he picks the mic and says, "Praise the Lord! Let us worship the Lord!" And he begins to sing the best of the worship songs. The question is, will God accept his worship? Will he? No. Why? Because it's coming from who? The devil. The source. God has a problem with the source. We also touched on the issue of Cain and Abel. Why did God accept the offering of Cain, uh, sorry, Abel? And rejected the offering of Cain, Cain's offering. It's not because Cain brought a bad offering. He brought green, good offering. But the Bible says that God accepted Abel first and accepted his offerings. 
and then God rejected Cain and then rejected his offering. Um, I s- s- let me just get what I sent to um, Esther in trying to explain that scripture. Esther, you remember what I sent to you? Okay. Um, I'm trying to get it. If you get it before me, read. Sorry. I'm just trying to. Yeah, but there is this particular one I sent to Esther. Okay. I think I found it. It says, Hebrews 11.4, by an act, by an act of faith. I'm reading from the message Bible that kind of explains it further. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than, than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. So, now, back to my analogy, God will reject the praise and the worship coming from the devil because God has a problem with the source. God is not as much as, I don't know the, language, the phrase to use, is not so much interested in the service or the, 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 the what we do if the source is not right. That's why God's aim, God's aim for his children is to domesticate them. <laughs> to transform their character, to transform their attitude and make them more like Christ. Are we together? All right. Um, For the entrance of God's word brings light. Psalm 119 verse 130. I will just read it here. It says, the unfolding... The NIV version, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, the word of God makes us, God's children, to see life from the right perspective. You found out that God's value system is different from the world's value system. The world places value in what God doesn't place value. Some preacher use this word, we, 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 we Christians are in an upside down kingdom. I don't know if that's the word, an upside down kingdom. That the way God sees is not the way people see. You know, for instance, the widow's mite, she came to give an offering. And Jesus said she gave more offering than all the rich men here that gave their offering. Because she gave from the very depth of her heart. Everything she's got is what she gave. That's God's value system. That's how he values or he looks at it. Not the way people look at it. That's why it's not the... 
the song, it's not the preach, it's not the teaching, it's not the talking, it's not the playing of the instrument, it's not anything, it's not the ushering. God wants the source to be domesticated. I still use the word domesticated. All right. Um, the last one transforms our character. God's word teaches us to have the character of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 22 to 23 says, um, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the character of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters into your life, he comes in with those fruits or with those character. And he wants us to allow him to live out those character in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. So the word of God transforms us and makes us more like Christ. Um, I don't know what your takeaway from today's message is. But I want you to know that the more you give yourself to the Word of God, the more the Word of God works on you. The more you give yourself to His Word, the more He causes you to grow. He enlightens you. He renews your mind. Where we read says, the Word of God renews our mind. Outside there, there's a lot of information competing for our mind. A lot of evil information is competing for our mind. But when we come into God's presence, His Word does what? Renews our mind. It's like flushes off or, or reduces the influence and the power of those negative information out there. The world will tell you what they want you to believe, what, how you have to behave, how you have to act. But the word of God will tell you differently how God wants you to behave, how God wants you to act. The word of God renews our mind. That was, was why I said when you became born again, when you became a Christian, it wasn't your mind that was changed. It's not even the color of your skin. You didn't become taller all of a sudden. The change happened right inside of your spirit. Then after that, what happens? As you come to church, as you fellowship with your fellow Christians, as you worship God, as you listen to the word of God, as you read the Bible, as you spend time with God, God begins to work on your mind to make you to think more like the way he thinks. He begins to work on your value system. You begin to value things. The more the I I was talking with a friend a few days ago and he told me, you know, he's not a Christian, but he's a nice guy. He told me that I'm wasting time. That the, with the skill I have in my job, most of my mates, they do contract work, they end this, they end that, they ride big cars, and I decided to still remain in, in um, civil service, that I should get out of the civil service and go for contract work. I, I remember one of my colleagues, a lady that got a contract work, you know, well paid, 
uh, she does the work from 3 o'clock. She travels to Liverpool from Manchester, start 3 in the afternoon and finish 11 midnight, then drive back. I said, if I start doing that kind of work, when will I have time for Bible study? <laughs> if there is an evening program in church, when will I have the time for that? No? And then, um, that's why at times when God's children, when we are applying for a job, we begin to weigh, will this job enable me to serve God? Will it take away my time? Okay, will I begin to work every Sunday and not be able to come to church? Or will it relieve me maybe if it is one Sunday in a month, that's fine. But if the job requires me working every Sunday, no more church, and then working every evening, no more program. You know, we, the way we think, our God works on our mind and our value system. Because a song, there's a song by a youth choir in America, CLC, Christ Life Church Youth Choir. They sang and says, uh, let me sing it. And only what you do for Christ will last, will last, will last. And only what you do for Christ will last. I'm not a singer. <laughs> will last. <laughs> so, so the word of God works on our thinking. There are a lot of competing um, ideas out there in the world. Ideas that are directly in conflict with God. Ideas that, um, that would lead one away from God. But as we avail ourselves to the word of God, it transforms our mind. And if you are able to capture somebody's mind, you will, you will, you will be able to um, direct the person's behavior. I don't know if the words are right. If you're able to change the way a person thinks, you will succeed in changing the way the person behaves. Yes. If you're able to control somebody's mind, yes. you will be able to control the way the person behaves. But if someone's mind gets out of the grip of your control, the person will be able to behave differently from how you want the person to behave. The world there wants to, is doing everything possible to capture our mind. The information on the telly, the internet, what people say, the way the government does things, blah, 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 just to keep our mind away from God. But what the Word of God does, what the Bible does is to help us renew our mind. Amen. I don't know if um, this slowed down preach made any sense to, to us to any of us uh, but I want you to know that, that to whom to him who has what will happen more will be given and he will have abundance but to him who has not the Bible says that even that which he has will be taken away from him God wants or God wants to take his children on a journey the journey that will cause us to grow spiritually and have a, our ref, character refined and polished so that we can become more like Christ. Amen. 
Um, let's say a word of prayer. Oh, yes, Lord, we we just want to bless you and thank you because you are taking us on a journey. It's not just a journey from point A to point B, but it's a journey of growth, a journey of transformation, a journey that will domesticate us, a journey that will renew our mind, a journey that will enlighten us, a journey that will cause us to grow. And that is the journey of discipleship. Jesus, you said, follow me and I will make you. Lord, we are here following you. Go ahead and make us. Make us more like Christ. We are following you. Go ahead and that which you have said is not our task, it's your task oh Lord, ours is to follow and that's what we are doing here, that's why we are here Lord, yours is to make us more like Christ to, to, to work on us to transform us, to strengthen us to renew our mind thank you Lord Amen let's just listen to this uh, reflective song you don't have to sing if you don't want to sing but just i just requested that he give us a song